Hello, listeners, and welcome to Gather Jabrew, the podcast where the Lizza and the kid talk about two of our favorite things on the planet, the band Fish and Beer. Fish and Beer. Welcome to episode 19. My favorite number. Uh, yeah, it's, uh... It's, like, been passed down through the boys in my family. It's, like, the number we wear on our jerseys and shit. So it's lucky for you. Yeah. So maybe this episode will be lucky for you. Yeah. Maybe I won't lay into you as hard as I normally do. <laughs> Last episode was awesome. <laughs> well. Let's jump right into the fish segment of this podcast, shall we? Let's. All right, so... I, uh, we were in the car the other day driving, listening to Fish, and I, uh, a song came on that I had to look up uh, what album it was from because I was trying to figure out how old or how new it was. And that to me, with like certain Fish songs, um, it's more recent songs as I've started to realize, but um, I like the like newer stuff less and the older stuff more. Um, both for songwriting, uh, songwriting reasons, just like a pocket they hit in the late nineties that I really enjoy the funk stuff. And, um, I, I kind of, I don't know, I've set my piece on them and how they're playing now, uh, several times, but I thought it'd be interesting to rank the five albums post 2000. And that post 2000 is really important because farmhouse comes out in 2000 so we're starting from 2001 and going forward. Copy that. We're not using 2000. Also because Farmhouse is awesome and it would negate the entire purpose of this. Because you think everyone would say Farmhouse. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like you're, this exercise is like pick what you think is the lesser of evil. Of the lesser, evils. Yeah, lesser of three and evils. Or I five was, evils. You know, there's a lot of going on in politics these days and everybody's divided about shit. And life is about picking the less of some evils sometimes. Yeah, I guess it's a good exercise for today's uh, predicament that we're in. Yeah. (laughs) I, again, whatever, I don't listen to albums, so looking at the choices you've given me, can I read them? Oh, I actually predicted this was going to happen, so I have queued up every single album with all their track lists. Yeah, I was just going to, I can look at these, can I read them off? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Round Room, Joy, Fuego, Big Boat. Undermine. You know it's really that's f- not in order either because Undermine's got to be what before Round Room or after Round. So it's Undermine really funny. is Big Boat is the most recent. Yeah, so it's almost in order. Believe it or not, it's Undermine ra- is where it's Round Room, then Undermine. Yeah, that's what I thought. Then, then Joy, Joy Fuego, then Fuego, then Big Boat. Boat. Yeah. Okay, I, I was gonna say I can look at I can look at these albums objectively and name right now off for you songs some of my favorite songs, fish songs ever that are on these albums. Yeah. But I can probably name one and absolutely just one off From each, each one album? Of these. Yeah. Actually, so Round Room, uh, Pebbles and Marbles. Yeah, for sure. Joy, I have um, Kill Devil Falls. Yeah. Which, I mean, you can't argue with that. Fuego, Fuego, I love that song. Big Boat. Um, What's my favorite song off Big Boat? Petrichor, probably. Yeah, I like Petrichor. I think there were a couple of other ones on there I really liked a lot. And Undermine, that's self-titled as well, right? There's a self-title on that, Undermine? Yes. I don't, I'm don't. i least familiar with... Yeah, I like that song a lot, but I'm least familiar with that album. What's yeah. the cover of that? Uh, it's all for their faces on like black and purple. They're kind of like faded. Um, it's weird looking. It's like pretty... 
Yeah, 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 like, yeah. High school picture. Oh, can we can we read the tracks off that? Because I know there's yeah. a song on here well, I really on. like let's, a lot. Let's go in order. So <laughs> Round Room is 2000, uh, 2002. So it's the first album that can qualify for this, you know, this the whole rules and everything. So Pebble, Pebbles and Marbles, Anything But Me, Round Room, Mexican Cuisine, Friday, Seven Below, Mock Song, 46 Days, All of These Dreams, Wall of the Ca- Walls of the Cave, Thunderhead, and Waves are all the songs on Round Room. Now we switch over to Undermine. Undermine is Sense and Subtle Sounds. Undermine, The Connection, A Song I Heard the Ocean Sing, Army of One, Crowd Control, Maggie's Revenge, Nothing, Two Versions of Me, Access Me, Sense and Subtle Sounds, Tomorrow's Song, Secret Smile, Grind. Joy. What, year, what year is that? What year is oh, that I'm sorry. That's 2009. Okay. Or 2004. 2004. 2009 is Joy. Joy is backwards down the number line, stealing time from the faulty plan. Joy, Sugar Shack, Ocelot, Kill Devil Falls, Light, I've Been Around, Time Turns Elastic, 20 Years Later. Then we have Fuego. Fuego is Fuego, track one. The Line, Devotion to a Dream, Halfway to the Moon, Wintergreen, Sing Monica, 555, Waiting All Night, Wombat, and Wingsuit. What year? Uh, Fuego comes out in 2014. And now we're at Big Boat, which came out 2016. Friends, uh, Breath and Burning, Home, Blaze On, Tide Turns, Things People Do, Waking Up Dead, Running Out of Time, No Man in No Man's Land, Miss You, I Always Wanted It This Way, More, and Petrichor. Oof. Yeah. These are honestly all really good albums. Yeah. (laughs) When you read them off like that in a list, a quick list, you realize how much they actually really do a very good job of kind of blanketing everything that they play. I don't know. I uh, I love Round Room. It's become one of my new favorite albums. And thank you, uh, Pebbles and Marbles, for making me go revisit that album because that's the song that spurred me to go back and look at that. Yeah. I think Joy is highly undersold. I think people <laughs> just think of it and they think of Joy, and that song is you know one of the less popular Fish songs. But yeah. read that again. I mean, like there are a ton. Kill the Falls. Uh, well, like there's a, there's a ton on Joy that well, are really really good songs. Well, walk me through this first, because I saw as I was reading them out loud, you kind of started writing stuff down. So I'm assuming I wrote off- the years down. I wrote the years down. So you didn't get like a general sense of how you would rank them just right off the bat before we dive into it. Yes, I I the Liza would do. Honestly, probably the way that they're listed. Round Room, Joy, Fuego, Big Boat, Undermine. Okay. That's the way I would rank. Um, I, too, uh, thought about this before I even started doing any research on anything. And the way my mind naturally went. <laughs> this is really funny. Sorry. Round Room, Undermine, Joy, Fuego, Big Boat. Is that the order they were that's released? Before no, that's before they. Um... Oh wait, that is the order. That, wait, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the order. Okay, they yeah, were released. the order they released, which is really funny. You said you said round room. Yeah, I'm now mixing it up with how I have it written. Yeah, I said round room, then undermine. Yeah, I did. Right. I did do it. Then Joy, then Fuego, then Big Boat. That's the exact order. That's the chronology that of their disc. So this is really funny, and I will preface you this just now. Just like them less and less. Which is really funny. But this is gut. Once I started doing research, the outcome and how I would rank them is completely different. Huh. Why is that? It's funny you ask. <laughs> because you forgot um, that certain songs on certain albums? Yes. yes. That's um, what I'm saying. And, the and this m- is why 
going back to their albums is. I mean, you've known me for a really long time. If you had to guess which one I would have put dead last and like would. I would have said Big Boat. That's what I would have said. You said Big Boat? Yeah, because uh, you detest all new fish. J3PO would also say Joy is the one that I would shit on the most. But again, um, go back and read the tracks from Joy. Yeah, so Joy is w- where... When you just read it, I was like, damn, Like I, I should go back and give that another listen. I love that album cover. That's one of my favorite album covers, nah, and okay. I just think that's good. Round room beats it, but okay. No um, way. Difference of opinion. Um, backwards down the number line, Stealing, Time from the Faulty Plan, Joy, Sugar Shack, Ocelot, Kill Devil Falls, Light, I've Been Around, Time Turns Elastic, and 20 Years Later. Honestly, I like most of that album. Like and truly like. There's like three songs I could forget, but most of that album I like a lot. There's four songs I like on this album in total. How many total are there? That is the most out of all five albums that I like on a single album. And that's See? why Joy ends up getting ranked first. Straight you didn't, because you didn't rank Joy first. You ranked Round Room first. No, but that is the first reveal of my new order. Joy ranks first. Yeah, man. But <laughs> Round Room's got Walls of the Cave and Pebbles and Marbles. Yes. And it's a close. Tough, tough to beat that. And uh, Round Room, for sure, as someone who also fell in love with Pebbles and Marbles after the Baker's Dozen, um, it's <laughs> it's very close like behind for me because it's basically just Pebbles and Marbles in 46 days that I really like. will go and listen to. Um, there's some songs on there that I've gotten live in a very specific scenario that has been really interesting. Like, I will never forget, uh, the worst, like, environmental conditions I've ever seen fish was at Jones Beach, and it was, like, torrential downpour the entire show. It's funny, it didn't rain before, a lot was fine after, too, walking back, but it was, like, torrential, like, a twister from Wizard of Oz, but with rain. It was insane. So what they ended up doing is they started singing all their freaking ocean songs. So Waves, a song I heard the ocean sing. They played all that shit. Velvet Sea. Oof. <laughs> so it got pretty... Uh, That's like what happened to us on New Year's. So yeah, I feel we got you. the nautical I feel theme. Yeah, Except I wasn't boat. drained on, drenched on, so that was nice. <laughs> what was interesting is that I remember I have, you know, one of those hard shell Patagonias. It's like impervious to water. And the weather was so bad that I unzipped my pocket all the way through set two, phones are completely dry. I've been going on like beer runs. The phone's been fine. And I checked the time just to pull it out enough to see the time and put it back in my pocket. There ends up being over an inch of water in my pocket. Yeah, that's crazy, Rain. Yeah, it was stupid. Um, but yeah, um, while Pebbles and Marbles has like this really like awesome and new um, like, listen to me like I can basically listen to it on repeat all the time right and just like keep going forever and ever and like it would never get boring to me it's only because that song kind of slid under the radar and I yeah what what do you think about Baker's Dozen made that song like click for you um, that wasn't the first time you got that right that was the no, first time I the got that second song. time I believe I got that song okay they've only played that that's the least played fish song that I know I think it's only, only played like twi- 11 times. No, like so. 20. It's okay. closer to 20. It's like 19 or 20. But that's like in fish history, that's so yeah, but, little. And yeah, I think it's 11 times since like 2009. I think so. I remember looking that up or something like that. It's very few. You're right. It's like super few. Um, yeah, because Round Room came out in 2002. The funny part is <laughs> the first time I got it, I hated it. it was yeah, just but like, that's what I'm saying. What do you think changed for you? Um, 
I don't know. Honestly, Baker's Dozen's the most sober I've ever listened to Fish. So I think when you have that moment with Fish, it's going to happen at some point if it's not already happened to people. Were you listening to things sober? Um, yeah, I was pretty much sober for most of the so Baker's Dozen. Saying- I knew Baker's Dozen was such a fucking marathon that there was no way I was going to like just do a shit ton of drugs the entire 13 concerts. Would you recommend was- somebody uh, going to a Fish show sober? Would you recommend like people experience the, the show sober as well? Not until they absolutely love it. And hopefully are not, or because they're not going for the drugs already. Right. So you're saying, you know, at some point into your fish life, you would suggest somebody going to a show. Yes. Sober. Um, yeah. I would also. Or more sober than they normally would go. Yeah. I mean, I've also been to a show where I got too messed up and I like can't remember an entire set, day set of a uh, Super Bowl. I got wasted. Can't remember. It was a fucking awesome set. That's super um, interesting that, I mean, I think that's a very interesting point. I've never heard anybody say that, that the more sober they were, the better the show was. No, I, so we started talking about why I liked Pebbles and Marbles. I don't know you, that you, I would say I, the show I was, think you're saying that musically you could focus on it more than you typically normally would give well, attention to. Yeah, I'm, I'm more, like, cognitively present and, like, I was more dissecting shit at Baker's Dozen than ever. Yeah, so, but then, like, as I'm saying, it. don't you think, like, like musicians who don't drink when they're playing music, like, don't you think, like, if you didn't drink or you were more sober than you normally are, you would have way more attention to pay attention to the music? I just think different things happen when you do different drugs <laughs> and listen to music, I guess. Like, you can, like, there are plenty of people, and you've seen it throughout, like, the 80s and the 90s, especially in the 80s when big-ass concerts started getting televised, like, the like we are the world type shits like people were drinking beer on stage all the time like i don't know that it would necessarily like you'd have to get pretty freaking hammered to start having it affect you in a way but like you know getting tipsy and getting drunk affects you when you play and getting stoned get affects you when you play um yeah well i'm just saying i think that's probably a contributing factor if you watch coventry you can see what it's like being on a bunch of pills and playing so i mean it's different Should we move on to the next question? Did you pick this for me? Well, no. No, no, no. So I was, I was, oh. I was trying to make a point. <laughs> um, my my point is is that uh, Pebbles and Marbles, just even as a whole entire album, like for some reason, like when I went back with the nostalgia of loving Pebbles, Pebbles and Marbles. Pebbles and Marbles is a song on Round Room. I, I expected to go back to Round Room and because I was falling in love with that, I expected other songs to pop out to me. Right. And a lot of them are just like whatever except and i don't even care for walls of the cave you do you love the crap out of it it's really just 46 days for me so that was like i still only think i rank it second because of pebbles and marbles something to be mindful of but i couldn't consciously do it and have it take the weight of four songs even if i want to like hate joy just for the single track of joy (laughs) i don't even hate joy (laughs) (laughs) don't even get me started on fuego and big boat well, you just said that Joy is now your favorite album in that order. You flipped it. Whoa, whoa, you swapped whoa, 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 whoa. I said it's my favorite of those five. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I said, of those album. five. Yeah. Hey, that's good. That's something. <laughs> that song, that album has a lot of good gems on it. And while I don't listen to any Fish albums, it definitely makes you appreciate where they were at when they were writing the, those songs, I think. Yeah. Sure. Cool. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm just so- going to make fun of you relentlessly now for saying that Joy is your favorite album out of those five. Yeah. I can see that going down. 
hey, at least I can admit it. You know, like, it's funny how much you did, like, detest songs like that, though, where it, like, ruins your state and, like, you're not able to accept the other things around it. Like, maybe if I didn't hate Joy so vigorously, I would have actually given the album more of a look. But even the album covers, like, when I see it, I just hit skip. <laughs> that album art comes across my iPhone. Skipped. I love that art. Skipped. It's gorgeous. It's just, a, and so funny enough, Undermine is like that with me too. I like barely know the album. A lot of the songs I've either, not, either, either never gotten before or like have no clue what they are. Yeah. Like I've never tried to listen to them on my own. I've never gone to Undermine. It's too far back for you. I don't know you that You haven't had that. your like, uh, you haven't had your Undermine aha song moment. No, I think it's Pebbles the and opposite. Marbles, I think that for you? Undermine is the, for me, the middle child that gets forgotten. Who's like, got something there, but I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah. I listened to the beginning albums and, you know, I've listened to Hoist and, and Junta and all that, you know, all that shit. So yeah, yeah. somehow Undermine slipped through the cracks and I have no desire to really pay attention to it. You will. Yeah. You will. Give me a reason why I should. Give me the tracks again. <laughs> Sense and Subtle Sounds. Under- that song's great. Undermined. That song's great too. The Connection. A song I heard the ocean sing. Yeah. Army of One, Crowd Control. Mag- Crowd Control's good. Maggie's Revenge, uh, Nothing, Two Versions of Me, Access Me, uh, Tomorrow's Song, Secret Smile, Grind. That whole last part it's of tough. the album, I don't yeah, even know tough. what the hell that is. It's tough. Well, go over, go listen to it. You never know. Yeah, you yeah. never know, man. That's what I'm saying. That's the beauty <laughs> of this. Did you think you were going to come out of this saying that Joy was your favorite out of those five? I doubt it. No. I, in fact, picture like very specific people I talk fish with, like laughing in the background as I said that. Like me. <laughs> I told you, I'm just going to relentlessly hound you on that. Oh, man. Can we move on to the next question? It's yeah, getting yeah, me yeah. excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you had to bring a dessert to a simulcast, what would it be and why? So this was, Did you put this in your chat, in your room? This is my first question in yeah. my chat. Yeah. What, do you have some replies? Yeah, some of them were like really like- Lame. Stonery, but like funny. One one person posted that they would bring special brownies. Yeah, And I'd yeah. be like, how messed up would that be if you're going to your simulcast, you've never been to a simulcast before, and you <laughs> see a bunch of brownies, you're definitely not making it through set two. <laughs> you just Depends on how out. good the brownies are. <laughs> I don't yeah. think it's silly to say that you would bring a special treat to a to a simulcast. I think that'd be super fun, actually. No, yeah, it would. But like, could you imagine a whole tray of them? Someone would get destroyed. <laughs> I can't imagine a whole you tray can, of them. Can't you think of that one person you know where you put brownies in front of them? And they can't help themselves. And That's me. You, yeah. <laughs> so, can you imagine if they were all special brownies? Yeah, You're I not, mean, but if you told me they're special brownies, I wouldn't eat them all. Obviously. Yeah, but I don't know. Fish shows See, I I automatically just think about like things I want to eat when I'm super stoned. And it has to be like a very like uh, verse diverse group of things. Like I have to have something like acidic, salty, sweet, like that kind of thing. So uh, I would need something like crunchy and salty as well as something chocolatey. So what does that mean for you, chocolate covered pretzel? Oh, uh, gross! I know you hate chocolate, but that's, that's a good that's a good snack. Yeah, it's salty, crunchy, chocolatey. Yeah, uh, you don't even have to bake anything. Just take a chocolate covered pretzel. Chocolate covered pretzels over. <laughs> yeah, you I don't could know. do special rice krispie treats or special so, fruity pebble treats. Have you seen ganja goo balls in the wild? Uh, I don't know. A ganja probably goo- not. Ganja goo balls, a hippie in the lot, uh, walking around, and it's like generally like fruity pebbles, mm-hmm. um, and it's like a marshmallow weed ball. 
Yes, it's, so it's just um, marshmallow. It's whatchamacallit. It's one of those. A Rice Krispie Treats. Rice Krispie Treats, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a Rice Krispie Treat. But made with weed butter and. Yeah, but that's how you yeah. make a, like, a special Rice Krispie Treat. Instead, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you just said what I just said. Yeah. What would you bring to a simulcast if you ever went to one? <laughs> um, considering I have a hard time staying awake for the simulcast, it coffee? would have to be something <laughs> infused with coffee. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good, though. Like yeah. tiramisu? So, uh, no, mm. no way. So I was actually thinking I'm of making loving tiramisu a... So get this. You're going to freaking laugh at me again. Today's the day where I like break all my molds and you just think I'm being a hilarious, stupid idiot. Key lime um, pie. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would make a chocolate coffee cocktail, a CCC. <laughs> that actually sounds really good. I love coffee cocktails. Those are some of my favorites on caffeine, the planet. Caffeine, still getting me drunk, keeping the buzz going. Yep. And it's sweet and it's bitter and it's like- Giving you the upper. And I can upper. drink it all night long instead of having to like max out on whatever dessert. And still technically it's a dessert cocktail. So I fit my category, and I think I've thought that out pretty well. I would bring the new or the old Ben and Jerry's fish ice cream flavors. <laughs> You're going to bring a pint for everybody? No, no, just one to share, dude. Oh, <laughs> you psycho. So each person gets like a scoop. Yeah, to share. I guess Definitely the old fish people. food. I hate the new flavor. I'm sorry, it's ice Did you cream. try it? No, oh, you I won't. Tried it I won't. You're staying away from it? The old one is magic. It's like everything I like. It's like chocolate, marshmallow, and f- dark chocolate fish. It's great. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah, I liked it. Keep me updated on the, the replies. Yeah, if anybody yeah. posts a recipe, that would be super helpful. Yeah, it'd be really cool. I haven't <laughs> seen anything that was worth mentioning other than goo balls and, and like, you know, stereotypical shit. Send us a comment on shit. some of your best goo ball recipes. I'm pretty sure there's, like, one way to do them, and it's on the back of a cereal box. But, <laughs> hey, if you have any cool tips. <laughs> all right. Send this them is, in. I've, I've been looking forward to this question all week because this came up in our same car ride where I stumbled across these uh, songs that made me ask the album question. Um, Ocelot came on, and I asked you point blank. I was like, do you know what an ocelot is? Do you have any idea what an ocelot is? And do you know what an ocelot is? I said it sounds like it's a sloth. Right. So if you would have and to guess. And then you wouldn't tell me yes or no. But you said where would they, where, where do you, I live? think they are. Yep. Yeah. And I said south. if it's a sloth, I'm saying a sloth, I would say South America. And you looked it up on your phone and you said that I was correct. Sloths are from South America. I didn't think sloths were from South America. I thought they were from like Australia or some shit. So what is a an sloth? An ocelot? Uh, yeah, an ocelot. <laughs> you know what a sloth is, right? I know what a sloth is. You know is. Kristen Bell is like obsessed with ocelot or uh, sloths. You know, you got me doing it. Um, That's cool. She like freaked out and cried on Ellen because they brought out a, a sloth. sloth? Yeah, and she freaked the fuck out. It's really funny. That's cool. It's actually really funny. So what is an um, ocelot? An ocelot is like, it looks like... A mini jaguar. What? It's a cat. <laughs> it's a, like an outdoor really? cat that is basically huh. all around like the west or the eastern peninsula that makes up uh, Mexico. Okay. It goes all the way down Central America, all in the northern South America. Oh. Is that what Trey has on his headstock? That is what Trey has <laughs> on his head. And that's why I was laughing at you because uh, I was like, it's right in front of you. It's right there. You just have to know where to look for it. I am oh, now showing. Cute. Yeah, I'm showing the Liz a picture of an ocelot. It basically looks like a like a. It looks like a tiger or a leopard. Yeah. yeah, it just looks like a leopard. But it's way smaller. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, that actually kind of looks more like a house cat. Yeah, so it's, it's in between. Okay, it's so in between. Yeah, yeah. definitely over twenty hmm. something pounds. And they're native to Latin America and South America. Uh, you'll yeah. Let me show you the region. Cause Are it's you allowed pretty... to have them as a pet? No way. <laughs> oh, some, Not some things you can. I, I just want to say this because I watched the episode the other day of Bob's Burgers you where a um, cougar. If you want, doesn't mean you should. No, no. I watched that episode of Bob's Burgers where the captain has the uh, capybara. And a capybara, Tina's like, a capybara is the largest member of the rodent family. And I actually <laughs> looked it up to see if it was true. And like, it's true. And you can, you can own them. You can That's have gross. exotic pets. Yeah. Look at pictures of them. They're the weirdest looking animals I've ever seen in my life. Not to divert from the ocelot. I would have part. an ocelot if they let me. That cat's fucking cool. They make, uh, yeah, they make little cats that look like jaguars too. And maybe it's a, maybe they bred them together. Look how freaking, like, the, I, you go right on Wikipedia and the pictures that they have, like, this cat's looking pretty stealthy. And I know if I saw it in a tree, I'd freak the fuck out. Depends on how big it is. <laughs> I don't to care. Me, it depends on how big it is. Cats are, even house Do cats are crazy. you have some statistics crazy. on this? Oh, you want some how ocelot they statistics? Are, how far they run, you know, like National Geographic statistics. <laughs> um, it's, uh, fur is sold on the black market. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> So it's definitely being freaking poached for sure. Mm. Um, let's see. Diet and hunting. They require 600 to 800 grams, 21 to 28 ounces of food every day to satisfy its energy requirements. Damn. So it must eat some big ass rodents. Um, that's all I want to share. I just was thought it was really funny. Okay, So go research ocelots on your own. <laughs> yeah. And capybaras, too. It just makes just research want, all kinds of weird animals it, on the internet. It's it, fun. It makes me want to go back and, and, and investigate, like, what the lyrics are now really saying in that song. If he's making, like, cat puns and shit. Talks about animals and living with <laughs> other animals, so yeah, probably. Yeah. So, yeah, he's cousins with a mountain cat, so he's definitely a big cat. Nice. All right. Um, last thing I wanted to talk about for the fish segment. Um, I don't want to get into like the pre curveball stuff, but, uh, too early. It's too early. We were walking around. I mean, it's New York city. The two places you get to walk around that has like camping shit is like REI and Kmart. Very different um, ends of that spectrum as well, which is really funny. Um, so the other day we were actually out at Costco and they had that whole like aisle of camp shit. And I got all fucking excited. I was like, oh, shit, it's almost it's like it's summer tour already. Like shit's going down soon. This is getting crazy. Um, and I, I was just thinking about things that like I'm actively Googling or like looking for on Amazon. Sure. That are like super important, like in preparation for the show. Sure. So like the first thing that comes out because I'm a nerd and I like electronics, I want an inverter for my car. I don't know what that is. <laughs> An inverter is the thing that you plug into like the cigarette thing and it turns it into a car outlet. Like oh, a, like yeah, a real yeah, yeah. three sure, prong sure, outlet. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. What would you use that for? Charging my computer, charging my phone, charging my iPad, charging my <laughs> What else can you say charging? <laughs> but you can it's use anything. a USB cable to charge your phone. And your uh, iPad. Yeah, inverters are basically for, like, stronger things. It's really more like your laptop and, like, if you wanted to, like... Pump, like the pump of a mattress, I thought. Yeah. And even that's not that crazy. Like, you can get battery pumps. Yeah, I Um, didn't know that either. Yeah. Genius. So, I mean, it honestly just depends. But an inverter was, like, I was walking through the aisle of Costco, and I was like, yo, this looks great. Um, 
another big one uh that i saw were like umbrellas and and chairs like yeah for some reason when you go on amazon they're like extremely expensive and the reason why i immediately went to that is a it's the first thing you see when you walk into costco because it's summertime and they're just selling all their beach shit but b the very first festival i ever went to which was super bowl i didn't really think about it that way other than that i just needed a tent I just needed a tent to sleep in and I need a cooler for all my food. Nah. And when I say all of my food, I mean all of my beer because my bright and fucking stupid ass was like, oh, I'm just going to buy all my food there. And that was before they had a farmer's market. They only had like food vendors. So I go up there with nothing but cases of beer, which were not limited at that time. I think I had like three cases of beer just for myself and like a cooler. <laughs> and a two-person tent I rented from REI, which you can no longer do in New York City. Yeah, that's a bummer. They stopped their renting program. Yeah. It's not hard to believe when you think about New York people and how little like consideration there is, and I don't even want to think about some of the camping gear they got back like from people who were renting when REI first opened up in Manhattan. That must have been gross. Yeah. People like peeing on tents, pooping in tents by accident, not hey. cleaning their tents and like washing them out. Like I, I don't even want to know. You just put a you just put a clause in there. It says if they do that, they have to pay for it and like own a cleaning it. Cleaning fee, yeah, yeah, or own it. Just pay, buy it. I still wouldn't want to, uh, you know, deal with that. That sucks. Um, another. I need a good chair. I need a good chair, and I need a canopy for shade, and I'm good to go. Yeah, you're pretty fair. You're like, yeah, I need sunscreen is really my number one. Yeah. Camp, bug spray. Camp stuff. Bug spray. Like, now we're getting into, like, I mean, when when we're leading up to the show, I want to talk about, like, shit we're bringing to, like, have fun. Um, like a cornhole set? Like a slip and slide, which I saw at Magnaball when we were there. Hey. That was crazy. I've never been on a slip and slide. Uh, it's on my bucket list. Yeah, maybe that should be on your camping list. <laughs> I don't know how to make one of those. I'm going to end up like David Just Spade in one. that movie. I don't remember what movie it was. Gets on a dry slip and slide. Gets like Oof. burns down the front of his body. <laughs> you don't well, need bl- you're not gonna need blankets for curveball, bro. Um, it's gonna be hot as balls. No, I mean like tarps like for blankets. <laughs> um, that's one that I never think about, but like every time I go to a show and I see people with, especially when we went to SPAC and we were on the, especially when we were in SPAC and we were on the lawn, I just remember like being like shit. I really need a blanket. It just like is a good like buffer for like, especially when you're in the lawn, like towards the back, it's like a good, like this is my space space. Yeah. I mean, if you want to sit back that far, you need a blanket. If not, you don't. If you're in the lawn, do you still want to try to like rail hug? No. Like between the lawn and the seats, or do you want to like sit back? No, I just like yourself? wouldn't put a blanket down for people to step on. I just want one of those like pop up chairs that supports my back. I don't so much want it to step as it's twofold. You know those blue tarps, those blue painters tarps? Yeah. It's like what the IKEA bags are made out of and shit. Yeah. So I would take one of those and put it down at the beginning of the show, knowing full well that it's going to mark my territory at the beginning of the show. And then hopefully what happens is that it's big enough that my the people are like around me far enough away. That when I go to lift it up, and I guess you could flip it over, but if you go to lift it up, the ground underneath it at the middle of the show is still dry. Yeah, yeah. The big thing that I hate, especially in like Madison Square Gardens where we saw the dozen, half the shows on the floor, is that with all the beer that gets kicked around on the floor and shit, when it's the middle of the show and you just want to sit down, especially we've been standing like six shows on concrete, you can't just sit on the floor. It's covered in fucking beer and shit. Yeah, I think that's not 
like the case at all. I, I didn't have any hard time finding a place to sit on the floor. I did a couple in times. In fact, it was the opposite. We when we had seats, people were buying a ton of beer and spilling entire giant things of beer all over yeah, the floor. That, that, and then your feet stick to the floor. I was going to say, that floor just sucks. <laughs> that fucking concrete shit. It's just terrible. So bring some wet naps. <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna have a pack. Of, you could put bring a your, pack of wet naps in each of your pocket, and then it would double as a pillow, like a cushion. I think people should bring that belt, bu- belt buckle bottle holder. I oh think that's man, genius! Oh, if we were ever gonna endorse a product, I remember when I sent that to you. I was just like, she's gonna think this is so funny, but actually, like slowly. My problem is, is so basically what happens is that the belt buckle flips forward, and it's a uh, perfect uh, beer holder, and yes. it'll hold a, a twelve ounce bottle of beer, hands free. Here's the problem. All about though. being hands free if, always. If you're like me and you start losing your hips at a fish show, I can just picture that beer ending up all over my front. <laughs> I'm just gonna shake it. I off. think you'd be cautious. I think you'd be <laughs> no cautious. You way. have to be cautious when you're holding it in your hand, so I think it's the same concept. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna bring my fanny pack. Oh, and yeah, I'm gonna bring my Panama hat. And if it rains, I'm gonna bring one of those umbrella hats that you put on your head. Again, hands free. With a poncho? Do you, yeah, you need hands to partner free. that with a poncho because yeah. it just keeps the water off your head. Doesn't mean it's not going to drip on you. I don't care as long as it's off my head. That's an interesting <laughs> point. Poncho Are, w- and would a, they an be letting hat. us bring in? Uh, I mean, we were just reading the rules the other day for curveball. I'm wondering if they're letting you bring in like uh, glow sticks and stuff. They don't limit that stuff at, at festivals. At the festivals, right? they yeah, don't. Yeah. Madison Square Garden is like the only place they we go around here. Tri-state Where you can't that do that. Freaks out. And people glow people sticks. still bring them in though. Still, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, sweet. It sucks. I hate the security at MSG. Uh, so bad. That's one of the reasons why I'm really excited for the, uh, what is it, the Hampton Coliseum. Historically has very awesome security for Virginia. fish fans. Are we going to that? Uh, it's in Maryland. No, nope, it's in Virginia. Virginia. Are we they, going to that? They're right next to each other. Uh, I want to. <laughs> Whenever I think about that venue, I don't have tickets what's to that. that thing? Welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs> like that's what I think of. <laughs> I think you're out. also thinking about Hampton, like uh, in a very, very years ago. I'm sure your security's different these days. Who cares? Whatever. I don't, know. They, I don't mind it. The police, the police released like this really funny video when they announced the tour, saying like, "We can't wait for you guys to come. Just remember, have a good time." Like they were actually being like super nice and say they can't wait. Um, I don't know if that's just like a, a long con. I'm I, again. I've been told that historically they're super cool down there. They let you just do your thing, which is dope. They're freaking pansies up here. They're like, no, nah, you can't have glow sticks. No, nah, you can't have this. Eh, it is what it is. Yeah, I have a good time anyway. Yeah. <laughs> cool. What else? What that's, else for curveball? That's it. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> Can we go out on Ocelot? Yeah, you want to hear some Ocelot? Yeah, it's got me wanting to listen to it. Uh, That's cool. What's really funny is now I want to take this song and randomly put like loud cat noises behind it, like they do in My Pet Cat. Be like, <laughs> I they should when... they should do those together. They should splice them together. That's a good idea. <laughs> That'd be cool if they went from Ocelot into My Pet Cat. You heard it here first. Or just sample one in the other. Like tease pet cat. The other. Yeah, yeah. They'd have to somehow find a way to, to like fit. Ocelot's too slow. Yeah. Ocelot's like easy breezy. Yeah. Well, enjoy the easy breezy while we take a short fifteen minute break. Uh... 
welcome back to Gotta Jabril. I'm Melissa. I'm the kid. And we're talking about local beer <laughs> in this this segment of the beer. <laughs> local beer. Go on. I'm interested. Yeah, so we, the, the kid and I, uh, had the privilege of visiting Carton Brewing Company in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey, recently. We brought back some goodies from them. Yep. Uh, we got their flagship boat beer, which is, you know, Session IPA, American Pale Ale, whatever they want to call it. It's brewed with Kolsch, so I could call it a Kolsch. We have their seasonal uh, dune fruit, prickly pear, cactus sour ale, which I'm drinking right now, actually. And then one that neither of us had ever tried before, uh, the Brewer's Board. It's called Aug One for Augie, I'm assuming. Um, hoppy Wheat Oat Pale Ale. New England Pale Ale, let's call yeah. it what it is. <laughs> and then uh, we got some other local stuff happening, actual New York stuff. I got a six-point fruit smoothie, which is a New England-style IPA with fruit. I'm actually really excited to try this. And uh, Millhouse Cucumber Blessing, which is a cucumber cream ale. That one sounds cool. Yeah. So I'm drinking the Dune Fruit, which is pretty tasty. Yeah, it's pretty good. The first hour, pretty it's tasty. not. It's not a. Uh, what did I say last time? It's not like sucking on a salt stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not like sucking on a salt stick. I'm still gonna patent those. I'm gonna make salt sticks. <laughs> well, I would put salt sticks in certain things. I don't know. Yeah, like uh, like mix it into margaritas. Like, or yeah, or like mix it into like Chinese food, white rice. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So the salt would just like melt. The way, like yeah. they make those like spoons you like stir in your tea that just like melt Disintegrate. into your tea. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm into it. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I just want to do like a quick catch up of like what all these breweries are kind of doing at the moment. Yeah, I mean the Dune Fruit's really again. It's really good. First, I get first hour. It's it's like way better balanced than I would have given them credit. Like what I think they could have pulled off, so they really knocked three, it out of the three SRM. That's low as fuck. Yeah, three point nine ABV, and it just says IBU sour, which is really funny. <laughs> so this is one thing I do want to mention about Carton's packaging. Their sixteen ounce cans are pretty cool. The name of the beer, their logo, and like what it is, and all of the information about it is front and center on the can. Right. So like I think it's really important to kind of give I mean SRM is kind of meh, like who gives a shit about SRM, but especially ABV and IPU these days, people kind of use that to mentally put it, you know, on a range of beers. So I think it's cool that they do that. Yeah. I don't, how do you feel about it? I was it? gonna say I, I think it's cool that they do that. I'm curious to how many people actually give a fuck. I would guess not many. Beer drinkers do. You wouldn't argue beer drinkers do? Um, no, I mean, uh, like, yeah, people who are educated and, and drink, you know, educated in beer, not just <laughs> smart. If I drink like, anything hoppy, I always, always immediately want to know AB, uh, ABV and IBU. Yeah. As again, a home brewer, I think you get to a limit of that where it like kind of becomes bullshit where it's just like you're knowing at that point, like if you're checking an IBU on an IPA, like that's to me is kind of silly. Really? Yeah, or I should say like a double IPA. Once shit gets beyond like the 60 IBU range, it's just dumb to even track it at that point. You're just saying it's bitter. <laughs> yeah. 
So within reason, I don't I don't know that someone would check a logger and be like, oh, that's seventeen. I you know. I know. <laughs> no, I do, but that's why that's why I preface what I said. I think it's it's hoppy beers. I preface by saying that I yeah. want to know IB, IBU and ABV. Well, that's why I think it's cute that they put just sour on their sour. They're just like fuck you. Yeah, IBUs. It's not it's not bitter. It's sour. <laughs> so Carton right now is actually going through a brewery expansion, which yeah. is pretty cool. They always brewed, or their brewery was based out of a converted firehouse in downtown Atlantic Highlands. Yeah. Uh, and the last time we were there, not this past time, but the last time we were there, they kind of did the normal kind of tasting room, buy cans out of the cute little like lounge area thing. Um, and because they have now a whole second building for their canning, they're kind of splitting where you go upstairs to drink and then downstairs we do a little retail spot. How do you feel about that? Um, I mean, what else can they do? First of all, how did they get their zoning? They're right across the street from a school. That's a really good question and something I don't have an answer for. I'm sure um, that's why their hours are kind of wonky. Yeah, I bet. That, I don't know. Um, but, you know, from a brewing standpoint and, like, hitting capacity, like, they don't really – first of all, their brewery itself is already cram-packed into, like, what is kind of, like, the backside of that building slash basement. Sure. And I'm surprised, like, how low those ceilings are and, like, how it it's must be, like, doing the tango – or like a game of uh, what is that limbo when you go brew there? It's insane. So you can already see, especially when you're in the retail area, that a lot of their ancillary shit that's not really needed for uh, the big production brewery, uh, brewing is all gone. A lot of the pilot systems have been moved. Uh, you know, just a lot of that stuff has kind of just gone away and gone into the bigger space. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's cool that they have a whole new building. It, it's very like industrial building esque looking. It's not anything cool. Like it would have been cool if they kept the firehouse. Yeah, it's actually ugly, like and the, the town hates it. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, I mean, for beer drinkers, if it means it's gonna allow them to give us more beer, I'm all for it. Kind of thing. Yeah. It just yeah. would have been cool if they had been tasteful. But I don't know. I'm being a being a, a beer nerd now. <laughs> Keep the theme, bro. Uh, I can say that this, what is it? The Aug one? Is that what we're calling it? That's what it's called. Yeah. Uh, the Brewers board Aug one, the new England, uh, pale ale is really good. I enjoy it. Sweet. I drank most of that. We got a four pack of it. I think there's one can left and that was all me. <laughs> Clearly all we know you. where my palate falls. Um, it's super light, like a pale ale, especially the mouthfeel. Uh, but it's still incredibly hoppy. Um, but like, hoppy not juicy the way uh double ipa or an ipa would be it's like just for like this peppery on the tip of your tongue bitterness and doesn't really linger which is great um i've never had that so you're you just savannah whited me this six point <laughs> and i'm excited to try it but yeah i've never had it before so I have a six-point can here. It's their fruit smoothie. As I said, it's a New England-style IPA brewed with fruit. Six Point is actually doing something pretty cool now. Since they contract brew, I guess not contract brew, but since they can, most of their packaged beer sold in the market in, I think it's Tennessee? Yeah, I had this Texas. conversation with somebody. Yeah, yeah. maybe Texas. Um, Texas. They're... They're hip to the fact that, like, it's trendy these days to, like, release stuff from your brewery because it's, like, lo actually local, hyper-local, super-local. Um, so they're doing these once-a-month can releases at the brewery in Brooklyn. 
Um, and they're they're kind of more of their quote unquote experimental OG style stuff. Um, and they've recently kind of got a resurgence here in New York anyway because their brewer now is the X Trillium yeah. Brewer. <laughs> Ooh. Right. So people are actually giving a shit. And I do want to say this. Six Point, I think, is being very courteous and cool to their customers um, by creating an app. They have an app where you can go on the app, purchase the four pack of cans, and then they'll give you like a window to go and pick up your your cans. So yeah, it's, it's like not like other local breweries. Some other local breweries that make you wait will not be forever. mentioned. Yeah, that that. It's part of their whole exclusive image where they want people standing in line for four hours waiting for cans that you may or may not get. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a different approach and it's something that I respect. Again, just it's more of a courtesy to your customers. And I think it's kinder. Yeah, for sure. Oof. That's good. You like this? Um, it's, it's interesting. Good. It's It's not as, again, how are you supposed to describe this thing again new, new england, england style, style IP with fruit yeah um it's a little tart um when they say with fruit i thought it would just be like you know at the end like racked on something if we're being but honest i hate the bouquet of this beer i hate the nose i hate the smell it reminds me of a home i can't even smell it it's still so that cold. i once brewed myself oh and yeah if i'm being honest again i expect i expect a little bit more than that oh yeah what tell us maybe about this just the you maybe made. it's just the strawberries yeah I, maybe it's just the psychological thing for me and it's just liz just the liza getting this now like the one of my favorite homebrews i ever brewed was a saison with fresh strawberries uh-huh and this beer is brewed with strawberries so maybe i'm just getting the psychological link the synesthesia uh, of strawberries sure you can't smell I, strawberries in this. I it mine's too cold. I can't smell anything, and I I hound sniffed it like you taught me. Can't smell anything yet. You, sorry, you just made <laughs> me giggle me. because me. <laughs> you made me think of when you were standing in the carton tasting room, like pawing your beer in your hands, like trying to heat it up, looking like a weirdo freak around these like Jersey Shore <laughs> like yeah normos. I was trying to smell like, the beer. Beer too cold. Beer's too cold. And you were just like, you were like honey pawing it. Like you were holding it. I was a holding it the way Donald Trump holds a glass of water when he goes to take a drink of it. Yeah. It's exactly how I was holding it. There you go. There's the visual <laughs> for you right there. Um, Should we do some beer myths? Do beer myths while I finish drinking this and on to the next one? Yeah. We'll, we'll take a little, you know. Um, what I was going to say that yeah, I liked no, no, about this ahead. beer real quick is that it's it's sour and bitter in a way that balances each other the way I would expect using some fruit and still being able to call it a New England style IPA would be. But the viscosity for me is not there. It's not thick enough. It's cloudy. It's, it's yeah, unfiltered. No, like it doesn't like the mouth feels not thick enough to say I would, it's New I would England. agree with that. Yeah, I would It's not agree chewy with that. enough. It's, but, you know. it's velvety. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I like it. I don't know if I... It's different because I don't know if I've ever had a New England style IPA with fruit. Typically, it's a sour with fruit. Yeah. Some kind of wheat, you know, a sour wheat with fruit. Yeah. Maybe that's uh, why it's experimental. It's know. cool. I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of digging it. It's kind of weird. I'm kind of getting some like stringent, like acidic off flavors, but hey. Yeah. I it's strawberries. <laughs> it is. It's strawberries. Well... Hit Let's me with do, a, I was going to say, hit me with a myth. 
I just I'm gonna say what these myths are, right? I'm gonna read out what you should like. They say whatever. Well, I'm just gonna read these, and I want your opinion no, on yeah, them. Yeah, tell me the myth, and I'll try yeah, to say. If it's so this is actually not. off BrewDog's website. Um, myths, common beer myths debunked. So let's start. One, beer should be served ice cold. Could one argue that depending on the style, some beer should be served colder than others? Absolutely. So, I think that's you're hitting home for this question. So I think yeah, you're hitting so home like for this myth. Subjective is I say. These. Well, no, no, I don't think it's subjective. I think that they're trying. <laughs> people who believe that beer should be served ice cold are people who drink like Miller and Coors, mm. like Taste the Rockies, like there, there's a yeah, whole. Yeah, they drink adjunct There's lagers. a whole yeah. There's yeah. a whole marketing. Uh, campaign built around drinking your beer ice cold and we just described when you drink your beer ice cold what happens you lose the smell the taste you know, completely <laughs> everything changes. right yeah. so you it's like literally drinking just like cold cold water yeah right so again using <laughs> our brains if it's a beer is in lower quality or brewed not with you know amazing ingredients and it's like on the more basic side it, that beer is probably going to taste the best ice cold yeah but if you're actually looking to taste things in a beer and you want to appreciate all the different nuances and the flavors and the aromas, you would not serve it ice cold. Right. So. Lagers myth, cold. Myth debunked, yeah. Serve your lagers cold. <laughs> lagers. Yeah, if you go on the BrewDog website, they give you a little, um, it's actually cute. That There's a beer bottle and a temperature gauge and it shows you which styles you should serve at which temperatures. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to look at it, but that's fine. We've kind of gone over some of these, so I'm going to skip around. There are a lot of very similar wrong things about out there about beer. Ooh, bubbles on the sides of my glass are a good thing. <laughs> this is a good one. I'm a because if you go brewery, to, of course, uh, I know the answer to this question. <laughs> okay, well, I will let you describe it, but I just want to preface: you can you can say the actual answer. Okay, but I want to say that this is a funny thing. That like is a quote unquote myth that needs to be debunked because I have seen beer periodicals, so books on, on beer okay. with with photos of the beer with a ton of bubbles on clinging to the glass. Like the advertisement for the product? Like like, 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 the like marketing? pictures in a book. Like if you go to like a beer book and people are trying to like, you know, give you these nice artistic images of like a, a beer in a glass with cheese and whatever. There are some of them, if you go and you look really hard, some of them have the glasses completely covered in bubbles so all over. So you're basically letting the audience know that bubbles on the side is a bad thing because they shouldn't be there. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> I'm just saying you go and look at books, you see a lot of this. So the kid, take it away. This is uh, wrong. Bubbles on the side of glass are a good thing. Incorrect. Uh, yeah. So this is one of those uh, things that when you find out about beer, it... It takes the veil from behind. You get to see the wizard behind the curtain. Um, bubbles on the side of your beer means that there's something inside that glass for the bubbles to stick to. So dust or uh, grease or, you know, anything that would mark the glass dirty. That is a dirty glass. Um, Correct. So the, if your glass, the inside of your glass was clean, the bubbles uh, would completely either suspend th there or... There would be no bubbles. Yeah. Bubbles clinging to the side of a glass is air pockets, essentially, and the liquid clinging to oils, dirt, well, any anything that's yeah. inside the glass that's not clean. 
Yeah. So, yeah, those bubbles don't get to fly up to the top. They cling to the sides of the glass because they're dirty. Um, it's something that's actually really frustrating because you can take a glass, take it to the sink. With a soapy sponge, you can wipe the glass. You can rinse out the glass, pour a beer into it, and bubbles will still stick to the side. There's, like, a happy medium of, like, rinsing it and, and like, getting it right. And what I've come to realize as a home brewer is the way you do that is with actually blasting it while it's facing upside down. And it's hard to replicate as a home brewer because your sink points down. How do you make it go up? And the only things that they sell, the only thing you can use to, to clean those things are things that are built for like kegs or carboys. So the stem that actually retracts back up to shoot the water back up is super long because um, it's meant to go inside a big glass jug or whatever. So it, it's just one of those things where at a bar you would walk up I and they would have that little sprayer. You know, they take the glass, they press down on it, upside down, and it shoots it full of uh, water very hard. And glass cleaner. Yeah. Not only does that mechanism clean the inside of the glass, it also um, temperature, temperature conditions yeah. it. Yeah, it gets the glass ready for the proper temperature that's going to be in that glass. Yeah, so you know... I've so th- it's snooty to say, but if you go to a bar where they do that to your glass before pouring your beer, you probably are a good, good chance you're at a good bar. A bar that at least treats their liquid. I'll take you one care. further. I got so nerdy about this at one point that uh, there are bars out there that basically have serving lines that have... Uh, uh, you know they're set up in a way to go like light from light to dark, yeah. So that like the CO two, you know, the the they can have a, a two different freezers downstairs. They're cold storage, one for the specific beer and one for the other. I've like nerded out about the water for blowing out the glass. That I think if you did do that and you went from light to dark in front of each one of those stations should be one of those purgers, and it should be set to a specific temperature, a different water temperature, to yeah. get the glass to the specific temperature that it needs to be to receive that beer. No one's ever done that before. It would take so much fucking to do and is like so over the top. But you heard it here first. It'll be at my at my brew pub. It'll be <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, gonna a, piss, I'm gonna piss a plumber off. I'm gonna piss yeah, a plumber off. Come in. Can I get uh? Can I get twelve different? temperatures. Do you also know how watch. expensive that would be? <laughs> splitters, twenty one splitters <laughs> for the stream of liquid that's coming from the pipe. It's worth it. Cool. <laughs> I I beg to be in that conversation with that plumber. That's all <laughs> yeah. I'm asking. Is when He's you ask somebody to do that, pig and shit. He's gonna me. be like, you know how much money that's gonna cost you? That's gonna be great. I'm gonna buy him a boat. That's accurate. <laughs> that's very accurate. <laughs> this is kind of going back to the temperature one, but I really do want to touch on this because <laughs> I actually see this happening in a lot of bars and restaurants, and it drives me fucking insane um beer should be served ice cold and in a chilled mug so this is my this is my number one gripe i've been to at least two restaurants and i don't want to say where they are and i don't want to call them out but you go and they give you a frosted clear mug pulled from the freezer and they pour beer into it and they give it to you (laughs) and it's again a lot of like old school mentality where people think it's like cool and fun way to serve beer but it actually 
degrades the beer in a lot of ways. Because once historic? that frost starts to melt, you're watering down your beer essentially. Isn't that like a like a old school classy thing to do? That's like back no, in like the we're see, you're we're debunking this myth right now. This is where it comes from. People think that's a quote unquote classy thing to do when serving a beer. That's not the that's case. That's not at topical all. to history. That's not like eighteen nope. hundreds before they had electricity everywhere and like a, a really fancy place would serve in a chilled glass because they nope. had ice. Nope. No. It comes from cocktails. Chilling down a glass is something you do for cocktails. It's not something you do for beer. Huh. See, I would have totally... Done. You could have totally just... Missed debunked for you. Totally got me on a bet just now. You'd be like, oh yeah, you want, you want to look it up? <laughs> I have access to... I have power to the internet right here, so that's totally fine. Yeah. Should we go over... Did, were there any like misnomers you thought about beer before you started becoming a beer connoisseur? Um, I used to think that cooling down uh, or having a beer in oh, a can yeah, this is a great one. hit room temperature and then get cold again is what quote unquote skunked a beer. Um, it's, it, I, I was told that in college, I was like, you can't let beer get warm or like chill down. Um, and yeah, it'll just make the beer taste like shit. So let's actually talk about this extreme temperature change, right? People, that was maybe one of the most common thing questions I got from customers when I worked in a bottle shop years ago. They would ask me, oh, you know, I want to pick up the six pack and I'm getting it out of the cooler, but is it okay if I take it home and I don't put it in my fridge? And it's totally fine. Temperature, slight temperature change is really not going to affect the quality of beer, right? They're talking, when they say that temperature change, they're talking about literally taking it from uh, sitting in a cooler on top of ice, being ice, ice, ice cold, to throwing it in the back of your trunk on a hundred degree day and letting it sit back there—that's the kind of extreme temperature, you know, differences that they're talking about. Yeah. And speaking to skunky beer, I'm glad you brought that up too. Yeah. Um, people have been trained to just think "quote unquote" skunky beer is bad beer, but the the term "skunky" actually comes from, um the chemical compound that is produced when light breaks down hop compounds inside of liquid. So it's the same exact chemical compound that skunks shoot out their butt. So it smells <laughs> like a skunk's, I don't, I, it's not called BO, but a skunk's yeah. smell. So it's yeah. the same exact thing. Yeah. Hop, hop material inside liquid. Pretty sure degradates. it's skunk pee. It's like a <laughs> gland that comes it's out. Not piss. Yeah, it's, it's not piss. It's not, but it's kind of like It's like, like a defense mechanism, but yeah. it's, it's the, the, the chemical, the same chemical is synthesized inside beer when light hits that, those hop components inside the liquid. Yeah. What's the word for that? You have, what's its technical light term? Lightstruck. Yeah, no, but what's the... Skunky is the correct word. What's the off-flavored... Lightstruck. Isn't there's a chemical that it produces? What is that name of that chemical? I don't know. Isn't it like acetaldehyde or something like that? Wrong. No. Damn it. Wrong. Damn it. I'm failing my Cicerone exam. Look it up. Read something. Uh. Um, could make you a better person today. The more <laughs> you know, read. <laughs> Somebody asked me that today. Hey, I I want to know as much about beer as you do. What's the what what what, what can I do? And I said, read. <laughs> You have to read everything. And I turned them on to Tasting Beer by Randy Mosher, a book that everyone should read. The Kid. <sighs> this is a good myth. Number five for BrewDog, beer should always be crystal clear. 
No, it's still have not you, specific. Ha, yeah, but have you met anybody who actually thinks that? Yes. I'm, I've met people who, that I when we uh, visited Colorado yeah. and we went to Ratio, Ratio had just made a carrot saison. And that thing was block orange. It looked like a freaking crayon that you pulled out from the crayon box, the Crayola box. Um, I forgot about and this. That's the true. The first question I asked him is, "Do people like return this, thinking that it's bad? Like, do people think that you serve them a bad product?" And did the bartender say yes? Um, he was like, "We do get those sometimes, but like, we also, you know, do a good job of telling them what it is, so that they're expecting." Um. But it, it wouldn't surprise me that people would because in Colorado, everybody drinks like ambers or lagers, like amber ales or lagers. That's it. So their beer is crystal clear. Even they what they call, quote, New England IPAs are clear. So that's why it's like, should a beer always be crystal clear if you live in Colorado and it's style specific to your market, I guess? But no, even no, so, no, I see, still think you should bend uh, to the style. Like, right. I think you're hitting the nail on the head. It's more about style. It but should e- be, but even, yes. But even now, like IPAs were always traditionally filtered. And in America, we are changing that. Yeah. Because everything we do is over the fucking top and ridiculous. So instead of, you know, just slightly under filtering something or not filtering something 10 times, they're going to go like sludge. Yeah. It's it's extreme opposites. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I've seen clear IPAs that are American and stuff, too. I think it's, again, just a preference. Like, I like when beer is cloudy and... I think it gives it a very unique mouthfeel. I think it does help make it a lot chewier and a lot more fuller. And I like that about beer that I drink because the beer that I drink is incredibly juicy and aromatic and has a ton of hop flavor to it. And it's like the difference to me when I start having beers that are brewed with like more um, classic hops or like noble hops is that they start getting more like peppery and more bitter and they get like less like satiating. Like uh, New England IPA, the reason why I fell in love with Bissell Brothers and they were like the people to graduate me into hoppy beer is because they taught me that really hoppy beer could be satiating and could feel like you're biting into an orange or a lemon or a lime and less so like you're biting into like uh, peppercorns (laughs) or like, I don't know. Uh, It's more like cinnamon. How like when you when you. Eat a, have you ever had to do the cinnamon challenge where you take a spoonful of cinnamon and then try to whistle? It's like a teaspoon of cinnamon. Speak of. I used to do it in uh, Boy Scouts. Why do you do that? Because uh, the cinnamon dries your mouth out really fast and it makes it impossible to whistle. Ew. <laughs> it's like eating a whole stack of crackers and then whistling. They Blah. Boy Scouts. It was dumb. Um, again, we talked about this topic. last episode. Like sours, a lot of beers, super bitter IPAs. Heady Topper does it. When I drink a Heady Topper, I'm doing it more for nostalgia. But when I think about it, it's like that beer destroys my palate and it makes me really thirsty. So, like, I I will drink it in a very specific scenario, but I don't really crush them. And when beer starts getting incredibly well-balanced, especially within its style, to me, unfortunately, I don't want to sound like an alcoholic, but that's what starts making them crushable. Yeah, no, I was having this conversation with somebody today. Right beer, right time. There's a beer, yeah. there's a time and a place for every beer. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. I would agree with that, too. And it's like you're saying, it's more just like what you're looking for to suit that specific situation. Yeah. 
So like that's again, I didn't learn this until we started, you know, with this concept of, uh, you know, the Gamehenge Brewery, uh, the Gamehenge Brew Pub was pairing stuff. You know, you can't drink an IPA with spicy food. It makes the spicy food you can. spicier. Not if you don't want to destroy, you know, and light your mouth on fire. Like, it's just not, there's better beers to to pair with that. Like, I don't know. I, I Off the top of my head, I want a cream ale when I want something spicy. Because it basically tastes like nothing, but it's thicker. Speaking of which, my mouth. Can, we try, can you try this? I've had this beer and I want to know what you think about oh, it. Oh, the cucumber, I've been letting it warm up. Sorry. So we now like are tasting a, <laughs> a Millhouse Brewing Company Cucumber Blessing. These guys are based out of Poughkeepsie, New York, so they're local to us. Um, Man, it reeks of cucumber peels. I it love smells this beer. like cucumber peels, like straight skin of a cucumber. <laughs> it's crazy. And it's like really light. Like I'm curious how they added the cucumber. Me too. I almost got into a fight with the brewer over it. Oh, he wouldn't tell me. I yeah. I have a funny. <laughs> I actually have a, a, a theory. Um, on how they do this. So after tasting this, what do you think? Tell me. Um, I think they dehydrate the peels and throw them into the like the fermenter at the end, because you only get it in the nose. It's very very little in the taste to me. Like there's not very strong cucumber. It's all like once I put it up to my nose to the tip the glass to my face. Yeah. All I smell is cucumber. It's definitely mostly in the bouquet. Yeah. Yeah. So then when I drink I it a little bit, maybe they also used a little bit of uh, cucumber juice. Yeah. I was just going to say, juice you you and, and I have messed around peels. with brewing with cucumber because it's my favorite thing to brew with. Yeah. And I'm surprised you're saying anything about the peels in this beer. I think the cucumber to a normal person seems overwhelming. But to me, somebody who deals with cucumber a lot, I don't think peels were used in this at oh, all. Yeah. I, at all. Um, I don't. It just smells like cucumber skin yeah, intensely to me. intensely a cucumber but this beer's not bitter at all it's not no but the smell the the bouquet of it is the bouquet smells like the skin and not like the heart of a cucumber heart of a cucumber has a very subtle it's like celery it has a very subtle taste but it almost yeah. tastes like nothing okay and like in order to get such a strong bouquet i would argue you have to use the peel and get some of that bitterness in there too you might be right i mean when we brewed our cucumber was it a saison? Cucumber saison. Yeah. I only use flesh, grated flesh. That was the second time. So the first time we made yeah. that beer, we did use peels, and it did make it, it like we used every part of the cucumber, and it came out incredibly bitter. And the research we did on it told us to get the skin off because it's Which the most bitter part of a cucumber. Yeah. It's the most aggressive, intense. So part wouldn't of the you taste. argue that if you're trying to get the most out of that in the nose of the beer, the bouquet, wouldn't you want to use those peels because it's sharper? I guess it's not as delicate. It's hard for me to divorce in my brain peel from flesh of a cucumber because when I smell a cucumber and I think of a cucumber, I think it of it in its entirety. Interesting fun fact: uh, you should take a uh, potato peeler and just. Peel off some skin and just eat the skin. Ew. Tell me what happens. I don't want to do that. You know I thought you were going to say the thing about the cats. No, no, How no. cats think they're snakes. What? <laughs> that is Fun true. Fun fact. If YouTube you have a videos, cat, yeah. buy a cucumber and put it on the ground and see what the cat does. And videotape <laughs> it and send it to us. 
Oh, I, man. I got a Jabru. <laughs> are we, we going to go to your apartment after this and go scare your cat? <laughs> it doesn't work on my cat. My cat's smarter than the average cat. I think your cat's just lazy. Doesn't yeah, it like, could be. Could be. Could She's be. Like, oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> Can we do this last Mythbuster? Because sure. it's def- definitely uh, 100% for you. Because I don't know the answer to this. Uh, myth to be busted or not. Guinness draft tastes better in Ireland. It does. <laughs> okay it so does that is not a myth that is a real that is real why um, why is that can we go through why there is honestly if i have to say it in the beer nerdiest way that i can say it it's all in the mouthfeel and there is a level of creaminess to the head of a guinness that is poured fresh in dublin where it's literally be, literally been taken down the street in a freaking horse and carriage from the brewery then wherever oh, they copy off sam smith too wherever they have like a uh a brewery like they they have what's the closest one to here? It's in the Caribbean, right? It's either in the Caribbean or it's in Georgia or some shit. Jamaica. Yeah. Don't they brew it in Jamaica? There's there's like a bunch of them all over the world where they now brew and ship from there. Correct. So it's like the water's different. So the Guinness we're getting whatever. here in the US is not from Ireland. Correct. And so not from the different. water source. So again, they're treating So to you're get saying close. it's a different product. It's a different product. Right. And it's better there. Yeah. Cool. Um What do you think of this cucumber blessing? Go. Uh it was good. I liked it. Uh, it's a little, it's a little thin for me. It's a cream ale. It's I was just, thin. so I was just gonna say, I to this day, being a cicerone, still do not know what a cream ale is. Oh yeah, Boddington's is the perfect example. Right. So, but like, what does that mean? I've never drank a Boddington's. Sorry. Oh. Don't well, give a shit. Uh, I'll get you a can of Boddington's. We'll drink it. I'll drink that next, German next episode. That German beer that you want me to drink. Schlankala, Hellas. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll drink the Schlankala. Blow your pants off. In the next episode, episode 20, I'll drink the Schlankala. Cool. That's what we'll do. You give me a beer to try I've never had, tried before, and I give you to yeah. try a beer you've never had before. It's, it's what I would bet if I looked in the BJCPs right now for cream ale, Boddington's <laughs> would be listed. So how does this compare to Boddington's? No, no, you're right. You are right. Yeah. I'm just saying I've never had it, so there's nothing for me to compare this, this to. Is, how does this compare to a Boddington's? It's a little like more flavorful. Like cream ales are supposed to basically almost taste like nothing, which is why they're what I gravitated towards after I started or stopped drinking macros. Makes I used sense. to drink Boddington's all the time. And because they're... Did you drink Genesee? No. Damn. Um, <laughs> I also used to drink honey brown ale. I used to make um, fun of people that drank Genesee. <laughs> I used to shake the cans. I up. think honey brown's worse, but it's way yeah. worse. Yeah, dude. honey brown. Is, I went from I went from. Uh, You're describing Keystone. like beer you put in a six in like a twelve pack in like a fucking like discount bodega. Yeah, the bottom it, yeah. shelf basement special. Yep, honey brown. It's I not went, even a thing. It's like a marketing <laughs> gimmick of some other shitty brewery, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I went from Keystone to Coors Light to regular Coors to Honey Brown to Boddington's, and then I broke into Belgian beer. And I went Man, through you've all- you've been a long way. I went through all the Samuel Adams flavored beers before I got to the- uh, to the <laughs> or Before I got to the Honey Brown. You know what Sam Adams beer was my favorite? They don't make it anymore, of course. It was the Noble Pills. Yeah. Noble Pilsner. The only way you'd be able to get it is in 12-pack bottles. You couldn't even buy a six-pack of it. Yeah. It was just a straight-up Pilsner with Noble Hops. And it was <laughs> so good because it was so clean and so crisp. Yeah. And it speaks to the fact of what I constantly maintain and have conversations with people about to this day. The true mark of a good brewer is somebody that can brew an amazing Pilsner or an amazing lager. 
because you know what? There's nowhere to hide in those styles. Yeah, that's true. If you know how I to mean, brew, you know uh, how to fucking brew. I would argue that like anything that's light. So a session IPA would, would be hard to brew. Any session beer would be hard to brew. A table beer would be hard to brew. Like anything that's like super light. Untrue. You can dump a pile of hops into a beer and cover bunny off flavors and say it's a session IPA. I'm not Can't trying to say it's just... I was going to say, I'm not trying to say it's as crazy. I'm saying if you stay in the ales category, like you can do those types of beer and it's still difficult. Okay. Also, super high ABV hiding alcohol is very difficult. It's very difficult. Correct. So a beer that's like 8 plus percent and you don't know it's 8 plus percent is brewed very well. Booyah. All right. So thank you, Carton. Thank you, Millhouse. Thank you, Six Point, for these amazing beers. We will post what you've been drinking this episode. The Kid, what are we going out with? (laughs) I'm going against my better judgment. We are going out on Joy. I knew it. Dude, I fucking knew it. This is for you, the Lizza. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on episode 19. If I decide to come back. Based on this song choice, I will see you next week. <laughs> I am the Lizza. And I am the kid. We will see you next time. I try, I try.